Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Shooting Through with Cheryl Ryan from 123 Travel. Located right in the heart of Budrum on the Sunshine Coast in Australia, just minutes away from the beach. As a local resident and owner of 123 Travel, I've been blessed with travelling all over the world to some incredible destinations. So wherever you are, relax and let me take you on a journey. Welcome to another episode of Shooting Through. I'm Cheryl Ryan and your host as we head off to the city of Amritsar, located in the state of Punjab in northern India. The state of Punjab is one of the largest when it comes to agriculture and is a predominantly Sikh state. As you enter Punjab, you'll notice a change in the people as the Sikhs are quite striking in their looks. They are tall in stature and wear a mix of colourful turbans. There are not so many saris worn here by the women, but instead you'll find most of them wearing the colourful salwar suits, which are a little like pyjamas. They are, I must say, the most comfortable outfit you can buy here and wear, and a lot, lot easier to wear and manage than a sari, which I've never quite mastered putting together without the fear of it falling off me. The major site for locals and tourists here in Amritsar is the Golden Temple. It is the Sikh's holiest site, and it is easy to see why. As you remove your shoes, cover your head and enter the extensive complex, you'll be confronted by a marble walkway surrounded by a large pond of water. In the centre of the two-storey sits the marble temple with a golden dome said to be gilded with 750 kilograms of pure gold. The temple is reached by a, a large causeway where you'll see a long line of pilgrims coming and going. The temple is decorated with inlaid flowers and animal motifs in the style of the Taj Mahal. Once inside the temple, you'll find four priests who keep up the continuous chanting, which is then broadcast through the entire complex on loudspeakers for everyone to hear. The original copy of the Sikh holy book, the Guru Granth Sahib, is kept under a pink shroud in the Harimandir Sahib during the day and it returns ceremoniously to the Akal Takat at night. Not sure I've got those pronunciations correct. There is a little museum upstairs near the clock tower which tells the gruesome history of the Sikhs by the Mughals, the British and Mrs Gandhi and that is certainly worth a visit. Also, you must have a visit to the really huge community dining hall and the kitchen. For the Sikh communities, it represents a mark of unity among all religions and nationalities. The kitchen prepares the dal, rice and chapatas for around 50,000 pilgrims per day and sometimes even more. All are welcome to join in with the masses who dine in rows along the floor. Personally, to get a full experience, I would recommend volunteering prior to lunchtime perhaps and joining with the cooking and the serving of the food or perhaps the washing up. It's, it's free for people and it's a good idea to give a donation if you can, if you do dine there yourself. It's very easy to spend several hours within the complex and I'd recommend several visits at different times of the day. It can be very hot in the middle of the day, so I would suggest avoiding this if possible. An early morning visit and then perhaps another visit at sunset to enjoy the complex all lit up at night time. Personally, I love the evening visit with all the golden lights and the reflections. 
pilgrims bathing and strolling around the pond and it all makes for such a spectacular sight and you'll get some great photos as well. Within walking distance around the paved streets outside the temple complex, you'll find the, the Jallianwala Bagh, a small park which commemorates the 2,000 Indians that were killed or wounded by the British authorities in 1919. There is a well there where as many as about 123 people leapt into to avoid being shot. And you can still see a number of bullet holes in the walls that have been preserved with one of the walls showing a number of, of these and it has a plaque which it reads the following. The wall has its own historic significance as it has 36 bullet marks which can easily be seen at present and these were fired into the crowd by the order of General Dyer. Moreover, no warning was given to disperse before Dyer opened fire, which was gathered here against the Rowlatt Act. 1,650 rounds were fired. Several other plaques are seen inside the garden, and another one reads, This site is saturated with the blood of thousands of Indian patriots who were martyred in a non-violent struggle to free India from British domination. General Dyer of the British Army opened fire here on unarmed people. Jalawala Bagh is thus an everlasting symbol of non-violent and peaceful struggle for the freedom of India. The gardens itself are beautiful to wander around, um, but the sadness of what occurred here certainly um, is, is what you'll feel when you, you walk through here. The gardens are strangely designed because the trees are shaped like soldiers with actual guns, leaving me unsure of my thoughts about the landscaper who came up with this idea. Whatever your thoughts on the landscaping, the place itself is a sad witness to an event that probably should never have unfolded on so many innocent people. The entrance to the Jalamwala Bagh is via a narrow passage, the same passage that was the only entry and exit point at the time of the massacre and the same route that General Dyer and his 90-plus troops took to reach the ground, so there was never any real escape for anyone on that day. There had been many political protests happening in Amritsar at the time, and a curfew had been put in place, but sadly, for some reason, this had not been issued to all areas, and this is the area that this happened to have not got through to. There were people from all backgrounds, gender, religions and ages in the park area at the time of this massacre and an incredible, sad, unnecessary loss of so many lives. So moving on to something a little bit more light-hearted is a visit to the closing of the Indian-Pakistan border and this is done every evening at sunset. It's located at Atari, about 30 kilometres west of Amritsar and you'll find yourself feeling like you're about to head into a stadium for a major football game. It's quite safe and it's a lot of fun to go out here, so don't miss out for any other reason. The two military groups from either side are dressed in full uniform and they meet at the border gate to engage in a 30-minute battle of high-kicking theatrical action. Soldiers from both sides display a mix of stunningly high kicks, squad stomping and moustache twirling performances, trying both to outdo each other. The crowd cheers and jeers both sides and all this is done in very good spirits. There's a lot of marching, handshaking and bugle playing 
And finally, the flags are lowered, folded, and the gates are officially closed for another day. This is repeated every evening, and it's a must-do on any visit to this area. And it's very entertaining, and I just love how the crowds just get into the spirit of the event with a party-like atmosphere. And another almost strange site to visit is the Mata Temple. It's often described as more like a funhouse or crazy temple, and it commemorates the 20th century saint Laudevi. And it was a place for women wishing to become pregnant or to perhaps just come and pray it and hope for fertility, I guess. A combination of low tunnels and staircases will lead you to the main central area. And it's located only just a few kilometres from the main central railway station. It's strange but wonderful all at the same time. So if you have a little bit extra time, perhaps go and visit this. Amritsar has had quite a volatile history and as recent as the 1980s when the Golden Temple was occupied by a separatist intent on creating an independent Sikh homeland, on the orders of the then Prime Minister Indira Gandhi, they were finally evicted by the army in 1984 in a very controversial military action that damaged the temple and it fueled a violent Sikh-Hindu clash that left thousands dead and also Gandhi was later assassinated by her Sikh bodyguards. An interesting fact and often confusing point to clear in the surname of Indira as Gandhi, uh, Indira was the daughter of Jawala uh, Nehru, of course, independent India's first prime minister. So Indira met and married Feroz Gandhi, spelt G-H-A-N-D-Y. However, Feroz changed the spelling of his name to that of the same spelling of Mahatma Gandhi as a sign of respect. So therefore, this is how she became Indira Gandhi of the same spelling. So it did get a little bit confusing there. So Indira Gandhi, then she went on to be the first and only, well, so far, female Prime Minister of India. After her assassination, her son Ranjiv Gandhi became the next Prime Minister and he too was later assassinated in 1991. Sonia Gandhi, his wife, became leader in 2004 when the Congress Party swept back into power after losing in 1996. However, Sonia Gandhi unexpectedly but highly admired, chose to step aside and the former finance minister stepped into the role of prime minister. Maybe Sonia Gandhi decided against being the next family member to be assassinated, so it might have been a wise decision. So now, hopefully, it's a little easier to understand the two Gandhi family names and not to mix the two up as they bore no relationship to each other. Staying in Amritsar can mean a stay in the old city close to the Golden Temple and bazaars, which are located southeast of the train station and once the site of the city's massive walls. The other option is north of the train station, where you'll find all the upmarket hotels and Lawrence Road, which is a popular place for shopping and a great collection of good eating options. For a lovely traditional stay, there is the Ranjit Savasa Boutique Hotel. It's an old red brick mansion style spa hotel with sculptures and intricate arches, art deco flooring and located very central to the city. This small boutique heritage colonial Haverly offers sort of a cultural, historical, gastronomical 
and holistic stay, I would guess. And I certainly, I loved my stay here. There's three categories of room. They range from about 300 square feet through to 700 square feet. They're all individually decorated rooms, some more quirky than others, but they're all lovely. And the hotel offers tours of the Golden Temple, foodie walks, village tours. And as I said, I loved my stay here. It offers so much family history and local culture. The family are very welcoming and also happy to share their knowledge and stories, which is something I love when I stay somewhere. Part of any stay around the world includes some form of connection to the local culture and people you meet along the way. I think this is what makes me enjoy stays like Ranjit Savasa or the Judges Court accommodation, where one gets to interact and learn something about the local people and their family history. Amritsar is a city easily reached from almost anywhere in India via rail, car or plane. However, a bus from Delhi to Amritsar will take you around 10 hours and a train around five and a half. Therefore, a flight for me proved to be the best choice as you can do this in just over an hour. Of course, it all boils down to individual budgets. Being home to an international airport with Singapore Airlines flying infrequently, it can be a good option flying directly rather than going via Delhi. The other option is to do a mix of travel methods. I have taken the drive many times from Himachal Pradesh across to Punjab one way, and this was quite sufficient. The drive can be long, but it's interesting enough to keep you entertained. But the roads can be a little bit unnerving with the large trucks and buses dodging in and out as if the two-way road has somehow invisible six lanes. I've learned to read whilst travelling in vehicles in India and this reduces much of my stress of Indian traffic and I find it much more relaxing. I also tend to fly where I can to avoid the road travel unless essential or for any specific scenic reasons. I hope you have enjoyed this week's Journey to Amritsar with me. This is the last in the Indian series for now, but I'll be back with another series of more episodes on India later on. That's all from me this week. Thanks for listening, and remember, if you want to support the show, then share, subscribe, and leave a review or comment. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at 123TravelBudrum and on Twitter at 123TravelAbout. You can also find all my episodes and loads of great travel information on my website at 123travel.com.au. I look forward to having you join me on the next episode of Shooting Through.